Come on. Hello, dear listener. Before we get into today's show, quick ask. If you find value in today's show or you've gotten value out of a previous show, please leave us a quick five-star review. Be super grateful. Thanks a lot. The strong, the powerful Paul Katzoff is here on Money Savage Create. Welcome, Paul. Hi, George. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, excited to have you on. Paul is the CEO of White Canyon Software. It is the premier provider of data erasure software. I'm excited to have you on. Paul, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Sure. Happy to. I mean, I have uh, four wonderful kids, beautiful wife. I live out here in uh, Utah, just south of Salt Lake City, enjoying the, the mountain weather and the hot summers. It's, it's beautiful and amazing. And I love business, to be honest. I fell in love with it, with it in my MBA program, and I love just all the components of helping customers find solutions, working through issues. At the same time, the day-to-day kind of grind and grudge to get things done. I, I love it all. Nice. I appreciate that. So we were we were just talking a little bit offline, and I was thinking, well, 2020 has been a really, really challenging year in so many different regards, but you know what? I've not had any problem with data security, so I might as well have Paul on to really scare the heck out of me. So. <laughs> And we were, we, we were joking that we took some time off over the Labor Day weekend, but that uh, cybersecurity and the Internet did not take time off. So I'm sure that there's never a dull moment for you. There isn't. We come upon all sorts of different situations day in, day out. Um, you would be surprised uh, on the data security side how many organizations have called us up. We've been doing this for 22 years but it will still get the random call from a Fortune 100 saying, "Hey, we don't erase anything before they leave our. You know, we don't erase any computers or anything before they leave our facility. Don't tell anyone. Wow. <laughs> um, but we need to get something in place now on ASAP yesterday. You know, so data security is becoming more of a, a mindset uh, for the large corporations. But with the pandemic, like you mentioned, people, uh, you know, employees are working from home. So now you have employees VPNing." into your your corporate you know folders and network pulling down data to their home systems and who are you going to erase those systems at end of life are you going to turn them back in is it is a work property is a home property um it's it's opening up a can of worms that the cdos chief data officers and cisos all over the us and the world are kind of going oh boy you know we got we got a couple more months to solve this, and then before it gets to a big, to be a big headache or a data breach or something like that. Gosh, I hadn't even really thought about that. But what a a whole nother can of worms! I think is the term you used, and it's perfect. That you know <laughs> oh, yeah. that 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 remote work and all the wonderful things that go along with it potentially. But then, wow! Then all of yeah. this, what flashed into, what flashed into my mind was just the disaster that the Hillary Clinton private email server was, and that you know so. It's like, okay, yeah. now everybody sort of has one of those. Yeah, everyone has something on their home computer. Did a, does a guest have access to your Wi-Fi? Are they able to browse the network mm-hmm. and, you know, and see the folders on your work computer? You know, what's the protection? What's the security level? And if something gets out in the wild, whose fault is it? You know, who takes the, the blame for company docs or personnel files or PHI making it out there? So 
it's uh yeah it's not a lot of fun to be honest with you no no it's uh I mean, I, I think if I think about industries that I know nothing about and uh, <laughs> it's 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 really opaque and murky, I, I, yeah. I, I always think about it's like if I bring my car in to a mechanic and they say, well, you have this, this and this. I'm like, well, I have absolutely no idea. So I'm just going to take your word for it. Yeah. And this is another one of those things it's like I have no idea. And if I were to think about it more, Paul, I think, well, maybe these, you know, may, maybe a lot of folks don't have any idea because it's always changing. It is. It is. It's changing day to day. The technology is changing. The equipment we have. I mean, we didn't have phones like we do now five, ten years ago. Everyone has a phone. Everyone has an app with their work email on it on their phone if, if they want it, if they want to stay in touch. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have Slack or chat communication platforms as well on those phones, um, iPads, you know, home computers, laptops. I mean, just the... The ease of access to the to the data is great, or to the knowledge is great. But at the same time, what comes with it is that that data may still be on your computer drive when you're done, or may, you know, you may email accidentally to someone else. How do you, you know, protect yourself? How do you make sure that you don't, you know, have any of those instances happen to you or your company? Right. And the answer is, we work with people like you, Paul. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, you mentioned cybersecurity as well, how it's kind of opaque. I think most cybersecurity techs like it that way. Hmm. They don't like people to understand how what they're doing to protect their network or protect their corporation because, um, you know, the pluses about computers is you can do anything with a computer. The negatives with computers is you can do anything with a computer. So once you protect something, after a while, that becomes kind of uh, obsolete, and that that kind of protection or firewall or whatever or encryption can be broken or attacked. And so, um, it is a cat and mouse game, and I think that's kind of where that opaqueness comes from: is not understanding um, how quickly things change day in day out for everyone. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. Okay, Paul. Fair <laughs> enough. So. Um, well, just I I just want to sort of fire some things off at you here. Um, sure. For people like I know that I use Google products, so I use Gmail right. for my personal email, and I've got stuff on Drive. And how how secure is that? Or should I stop you're, using? You're it? relatively safe in those tools. I mean, the chances of your data getting out uh, out of those systems is pretty safe. Um, you have to be aware, though, that your data is probably or maybe used. I don't want to go on the record here, but maybe used for marketing and other purposes or oh, they for sure uh, are. <laughs> other things by Google. So as far as your specific information in Google Drive being safe, it is as long as someone can't, you know, break your password, get in there and open up your drive. Or you had the iCloud hack a couple years ago. Um, you're relatively safe on that front. And Google, of course, is motivated to keep their their systems protected for you. Yeah. Uh, but there is, as far as privacy goes, you don't have full privacy with that. No, no, I certainly appreciate that. And in terms of, it seems like it's a pretty recent phenomenon and everything sort of runs together, but mm-hmm. that on my computer, I, 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 I do use a Mac where it'll give me a suggested password when I sign up for a new password. You have thoughts on that whole process? Um, I'm I'm for all of that. I don't think that's a problem. Um, the question comes is where is that password stored, mm. and will um, in the future currently are there cyber attacks being done to try and pull that password file and get all those passwords from you? Um, is it encrypted? How protected is it so that um, 
if someone does start targeting that file from your system, you know, can they not get all your passwords with one fail swoop, you know, is kind of the risk there. Got it. Yeah, fair enough. All right. So I want to circle back on what individuals can do and what organizations sort of checklist for what they need to be doing to make sure that they are protecting themselves as much as possible. But I wanted to talk a little bit about um, you, you. You mentioned at the top that you really love business and you love all the different aspects of helping the client to achieve their goals. But you also just love the the grind of the of 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 the day to day work. Uh, and, and I was curious before we were jumping on the call. I imagine that your work is is so logical and it's so data driven. But how how do emotions play into what you do on a daily basis as CEO? Uh, emotions are probably ninety percent of what you do as a CEO or my role. I mean, I'm working with employees every day as far as motivation, accountability, um, new targets, new strategy. Um, failures, um, support issues, everything like that. So on my side, it's maintaining a um, kind of an emotional position with each of my employees to kind of motivate them and work with them individually or my managers, whoever I'm talking with, and help them understand the full picture, help them have the motivation to get it fixed or improve it or what our strategy is and why it is. So there's a I think emotion is still a, a huge part of managing. Um, it hasn't gotten to that whole, you know, just yes or no, you know, bits and binary kind of uh, situation yet. I don't think it ever will as far as humans go. But it is a, it's a very hands-on uh, interactive process. And I love it. I think I, it's one of my favorite parts is interacting with my employees and and talking about targets and goals and explaining it to them and kind of seeing them get the full picture and get the drive and get the vision. That's um, that's any manager's responsibility is to help their employees do that and see that. Yeah, well, amen to that. And <laughs> I think that that seems to be one of the areas which, which I, I think is really hard. Um, it's hard, I think, uh, for a lot of people to be empathetic and particularly as, as you have so many different responsibilities and so many different balls that you're juggling all the time, uh, to make sure that you are showing up for your people and supporting them and giving them everything that you need. But I imagine that that's really a big part of your job as a leader. It is. It is. And and I think, you know, you look at great leaders, you look at, uh, you know, okay leaders or good leaders, you know, what's the difference? And as you dive into it, I think underneath it all is passion. You know, you got to have a leader that has passion and tenacity for what they're doing. You want to you want to be successful at what you're doing. Any manager in any position, no matter what company, you, you need to have that kind of passion to get things done perfectly. And I really think, I don't know if this is on the good side or bad side, but I think <laughs> OCD or perfectionist managers are the best because they want it to be perfect. There's an inner drive for their customers to be happy, for the process to be simple, for their employees to be happy. They have this inner drive to get it into a perfect state. Now, it never does. It, it always falls apart, something always breaks, but you have to have that drive to say, hey, I want this all, you know, even if I have just one hour of it working perfectly, that's great. And I'll keep, you know, if it starts breaking again, I'll start working on it again. But it's just that kind of passion I think you have to have. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's probably a requirement because in order to 
uh, perform at a high level to do a great job in growing your business and supporting your employees, but then also doing a great job as as the the family man that you are. You have four kids, and I mean, just juggling all of that. Do you have any any tips on? Sometimes I'm reticent to say the word time management, but just keeping everything moving. Oh, tips! Ooh, I don't. I <laughs> I have a lot of internal like tips or or items that I kind of manage. I think what I try to do right now is keep it simple. You know, I I break up work into my daytime. Um, when I get home, I have full kid time for the good hour, two hours, three hours that I have there, hundred percent in that. And then the evenings I spend time with my wife. If I need to jump on and do some work, I do work then. Um, but I try to really compartmentalize, I don't know if that's good or bad, uh, my days so that I give my 100% in each section. If, it, if things roll over on each side, that's fine. Um, but I think that kind of foundation lends it to, to kind of uh, be able to last longer and maintain um, the current balance, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, that's really one of the hardest things for me uh, just as of late with everything is making sure that the time that I am with, with, with my two boys, um, and then the time that I'm with my wife that I'm for lack of a better term, fully present and not thinking about stuff that I need to be doing. Oh, it's so easy with the phone nowadays. I actually have a, a charger I bought specifically. I put it on a kind of a banquet table or work table we have uh, there in our our front room, and I have a plug there, and when I come in, I plug in my phone and I put it there. Hmm. Because if that thing's in my hand, I'm going to be hopping in my email every seven minutes. I'm going to be (laughs) hitting this site or social media or this or that. You know, every 10, 15 minutes, it'll be like a knee-jerk reaction. I'll pull it out of my pocket, and I'll open it up, and I'll look at it and go, what am I doing? Like, for these two hours, if the phone rings, I can hear it. The text buzzes, I can hear it. Uh, but in the meantime, let me just put it down, like you said, be fully present, engage, have fun. And then after that hour or two, when that time's done with the kids, then I can, you know, balance, you know, work with the wife or whatever we need to do after that. Yeah. Amen. All right. So if you could give us sort of a, and if, it, if, it's, if it's possible, just give me the, the framework that you think that people, maybe individuals need to be doing to make sure that they're protecting themselves. And then if there's sort of a punch list and maybe I'm asking you for, for an hour-long answer here, but just sort of a punch list for what businesses can be doing. And, you know, if it's you need to outsource these things, if you don't have, like, a chief technology officer. So let's maybe start with the business. Sure. On the business side, it depends what size of business you have. I mean, you have some small, medium-sized businesses that can't afford a full IT team. Uh, nowadays, the market has become such with uh, managed service providers or MSPs and also the IT service management industry or ITSM industry, where um, even the smallest company can have access to a service provider that has all these tools, firewalls, network security, um, tickets, uh, network mapping, all these items that uh, used to be very kind of only available to the large corporations is now kind of uh, funneled down to the small corporations where they can get a part of these kind of systems and products and there's licensing that fits their size, you know, corporation. So instead of a hundred thousand dollar a year license, it's you know maybe seven, eight hundred dollars, but you get the same quality. You're only you need to protect your fifty or a hundred systems. So it's a much different price point than the large corporations. Um, I'd recommend any business to kind of go through what they need. If they already have an IT department, 
Um, they're kind of on their way there. If they don't, you know, invest in a, in a third-party provider. And then also look at data overall. Where is data stored? How is it, how is it accessed? Who has access to it? What is in that data? Is it valuable? Is it risky? Is there a legal liability if it's private health information or PHI? What do you do to protect it because there's some HIPAA fines that can come into play there? How do you manage all your data? Is it protected? Is it safe from the moment it is received in your organization to the moment it leaves or when your systems leave your organization? Do you erase them? Do you shred them? Do you uh, donate them. How do you manage what is storing your data and your data overall so that overall you can kind of step back and say, okay, we have good tools in place. We're following the industry standard and we, you know, we can improve over time. Everyone can improve, but this is a good baseline and we can start from here. And there's lots of third parties out there that will come in and do an audit for you, help you as an organization to improve. Nice. All right. And how about just, just, um, just an individual at home, what, 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 what should they be doing to make sure that they're relatively safe online? Um, there is many things online to be safe with. Uh, one is passwords. You mentioned passwords earlier about getting a, a password that's provided to you. Um, sometimes it's kind of hard because you get stuck with remembering all these passwords. Uh, one of our recommendations is uh, to create a kind of a password algorithm where it's, uh, let's say for example, it's a number, it's a, the first five or six digits of the domain plus a random word that you know or like and then a, then a, um, a special character. <laughs> that way it changes for every website, but at the same time you can kind of remember the, the formula for it, your passwords. That's one solution there. Um, browsing online, never give out um, credit card details unless you're 100% sure of that that organization or that website. Um, be very careful with Instagram. There's a lot of ads on there where you click on it, you go to buy, and it's a it's a fake ad. It's it's uh, going to steal your your identity or steal your your credit card details. Um, be very careful with if you ever have a a feeling like this isn't safe or I, I don't know about this email or I don't know about this this phone call or this website. Stop and do your homework. Backtrack to the main website, do a Google search for it, go into it through a different angle, go and look at that product and purchase it that way. If it's an email, be extremely careful with what you click on. Um, I tend to use my phone for most most email kind of links or clicks because with the phone, I know the operating system is protected, whereas with my Windows computer, um, there's you know, a, a good chance a bug can get, you know, infected on that system and I'd have to then clean it and so on. So overall, just be very cautious on what you're, what you're clicking on, what, where you're inputting your information. Never give out social security number. Never give out, uh, I'd say, your personal phone number or cell phone number. Uh, get, get a Google number, have it forward to your cell phone and give that out everywhere. And you'll be surprised how many calls you get to that Google number after the first week. Um, <laughs> It will, it will shock you. So there's a number of things as a consumer just to be cautious about. And it's always changing. As soon as we get good at something, something else will pop up. There'll be some other right. way for, that they'll uh, pursue our information because it's valuable. You know, on the black market, credit card details are a dollar to $8 a piece. Um, the, big, the big money right now is uh, insurance information. They go for about $100 a record. 
And the idea here is, you know, they get your insurance information, they get a fake ID, they go in and get knee surgery, you know, going to the doctor, get their knee diagnosed as you, go in and get knee surgery, and then you get the bill, and you say, I haven't even had knee surgery, what are you talking about? Wow. And there's there's a lot of, I guess, cons is a, one way to put it, but there's a lot of scams out there and a lot of ways to kind of take advantage of the situation. And so as the consumer, it's ultimately your responsibility to protect your information and keep, if you ever have a doubt, um, in surfing, there's a, there's a phrase, if in doubt, don't go out. <laughs> so if in doubt, don't click, don't submit, just, just back up and wait and take another day, you know, wait a day, try it again, take a look at it, still in doubt, you know, do Snopes or check other online places to see if it's, you know, an accurate play, you know, accurate website or product and then go from there, but be very cautious. I like it. Well, Paul, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you, and how can people engage with you? Yeah, we're online at uh, www.whitecanyon.com. You can also uh, tweet at me at Paul Katzoff, K-A-T-Z-O-F-F, on Twitter. And also hit our social media for White Canyon and White Drive. That's our main product. So we'd love to hear from you and talk with anyone out there that has questions. I love it. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Paul your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to whitecanyon.com. Check out everything that they're working on and check out Wipe Drive. And you can find them on social media as well. And I will list all of those in the notes of the show. Thanks again, Paul. Thanks, George. I appreciate the time. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight. We are all in this together. Spending too much time on social? Is your daily screen time over two hours? Are you a little bit overweight? Not saving enough money? Any or all of these are familiar. Strive could be for you. The Strive two-week online boot camp will help you to detox your mind, body, and money, getting you on your way to a happier, healthier, wealthier, and more confident life. Go to strivedetox.com, S-T-R-I-V-E-D-E-T-O-X.com, and get your mind, body, and money right.